This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Ford and Honda join Hyundai and Toyota in reporting April sales gains. Porsche will raise prices to combat higher costs. And the former CEO of Audi is ready to confess in the VW diesel emissions scandal. Plus, we'll dig into Ford's Q1 earnings with our own Michael Martinez. Told us kind of what we've known for a long time, that internal combustion engines are driving the bulk of the profits and that they're losing a bunch of money on EVs. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Ford says its vehicle sales in the U.S. rose 4% last month. The Ford division was up almost 6%, but Lincoln was off 28%. The automaker said truck sales rose 21%, offsetting an 11% decline in crossover and SUV demand. Ford Motor's U.S. sales have now increased five straight months year over year. Honda posted its biggest gain since June 2021 with a 25% increase in April. Honda brand was up 25% and Acura advanced 21%. Honda's biggest sellers, the Accord, the Civic, and the CRV, all posted double-digit gains. CRV was up 77%. Dealer inventories at the Honda brand have more than tripled from a year earlier, while Acura stockpiles have more than quadrupled. Subaru sales advanced for the ninth straight month, with April volume rising 12%. And at Mazda, sales rose 7.5% last month, giving the automaker its seventh straight monthly gain and best April since 1994. The rest of the industry reports U.S. sales on a quarterly basis, if at all. Porsche says it will raise prices by 4% to 8% in Europe and the U.S. in the second half. Porsche says it needs to combat higher costs that weighed on returns in the first quarter. The brand announced the price increases during its first quarter earnings call. It reported that operating profit rose about 25% compared with last year, jumping to more than $2 billion. Meanwhile, Stellantis said its revenue grew 14% in the first quarter on higher shipments thanks to improvements in semiconductor supply and strong net pricing power. The company, because it's based in France, doesn't report bottom-line results in the first and third quarters. And Ford posted first-quarter net income of $1.8 billion that reverses a $3.1 billion loss a year earlier. Ford also reaffirmed its full-year guidance as the company bounces back from global supply chain shortages. More on that later in the show. Former Audi CEO Rupert Stadler is ready to make a confession about his role in the Volkswagen Group's diesel emissions scandal. His defense team said today that will be in exchange for a suspended sentence and a payment of 1.1 million euros. Stadler was charged in 2020 over his role in the scandal after Audi parent VW Group admitted in 2015 to having used illegal software to cheat on emissions tests. Stadler is accused of failing to stop the sale of affected diesel cars in Europe even after U.S. authorities uncovered the engine rigging. He had maintained his innocence blaming engineers for his failure to uncover the widespread cheating. 
Stadler was Audi CEO from 2007 to 2018. The premium brand is regarded as the originator of the emissions manipulation software. And Chevrolet has big plans for its newest small crossover. By the end of next year, the brand expects the redesigned 2024 Track Subcompact crossover to be its third best-selling vehicle. It will be sold with front-wheel drive only to differentiate the tracks from the similar size Chevy Trailblazer, Chevrolet's all-wheel drive entry vehicle. Chevrolet CMO Steve Majoris told Automotive News at a Media Drive event that the Trailblazer is positioned as a more SUV-styled option. We're very bullish on this segment. We're very bullish on the price point. We're very bullish on the differentiation that we see in both the customer, the product proposition, the value proposition between those two, and uh, I think we're going to kill it with both of these. All Trax trims start below $25,000 with shipping. Brand leaders say the Trax is loaded with technology and safety features that the previous entry-level vehicles lacked. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, sales are up for everyone who reported. Are we turning a corner? You know, production is definitely picking up. And I think, you know, Honda is really the bellwether. They have been so low on inventory and their sales have been so beaten down to see them starting to put up some more normalized numbers definitely shows a, an uptick in production, in throughput, in sales. Of course, <laughs> you know, uh, I saw a note this morning about, you know, while many in the industry might be glad to see uh, these improvements, it could be disappointing news to the Federal Reserve, which has been raising interest rates to try to slow the economy. Higher interest rates definitely dampens, you know, the ability of consumers and businesses to buy vehicles, but there's so much pent-up demand. And now that there's vehicles out there for them, people are buying them and the economy keeps chugging along. So it'll be very interesting to see how this continues to play out over the course of the summer. That's interesting stuff. Coming up, we'll dig more into Ford's Q1 earnings with our own Michael Martinez. That's next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit reyrey.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Last quarter went much smoother for Ford. That's pretty much a direct quote from CFO John Lawler on the automaker's earnings call yesterday. Ford left $2 billion in profits on the table in 2022 due to issues with its operational execution. 
but it looks to be bouncing back so far in 2023. As we mentioned earlier in the show, the automaker posted first quarter net income of $1.8 billion and reaffirmed its full-year guidance as the company recovers from global supply chain shortages. However, investors still have a lot of questions about how Ford plans to rebound the rest of the year. I talked about all of it with Automotive News Ford reporter Michael Martinez. I reached him at his home office in Detroit. Michael Martinez, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the bottom line, almost a $5 billion swing uh, from the year earlier period. It It was a good quarter, but the comparison period was kind of exceptional, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd say solid overall results, but the year-over-year comps particularly favorable because this time last year, Ford took a really big hit on its investment in Rivian. Right, if you remember back to that time, the the stock, you know, it, it kind of fallen and they were they were struggling there. So year-over-year makes this quarter look a lot better, but at the same time, you're talking net income of you know just under two billion bucks, forty-one and a half billion dollars in in revenue, sales are up volumes are up, prices are up. It was pretty solid, especially when you look back to just three months ago when we were talking about how frustrated Jim Farley was with their dysfunction and their lack of operational execution. This is a good step in a positive direction. Is Ford's exposure to Rivian, how much lessened is that now? They still have a stake, right? They still have a stake. They sold off a decent amount off the top of my head. I don't know exactly where it stands right now. But it isn't having this sort of outsized swing on the, or impact on the on the bottom line. Exactly. We mostly saw that, I think, the, the first part of last year and, and even a bit into the end of 21. So, of course, at Automotive News, we focus on the real world, not the world as seen from Wall Street. But Wall Street matters some, and Ford did better than analysts were expecting. Yet it didn't raise its outlook for the year. What's going on with that? Was some of the profit pulled ahead? Well, it saw really good favorable mix in terms of pricing and in terms of the type of vehicles it's selling, right? F-150s, Explorers, uh, large SUVs. And it said maybe for the back half of the year, as the industry continues to normalize after all these supply chain shortages, after even the pandemic, it sees that pricing maybe changing a bit. It sees incentives rising. So the benefit it got in this quarter will probably be less as the year goes on. So it thinks it's still going to, you know, make between 9 and 11 billion bucks, but Wall Street wasn't exactly excited by the fact that it didn't change that guidance upward like GM just uh, last week. So I'm going to put on my little finance degree nerd hat uh, for a minute here, you know, th- the way that works, right? Stock valuations are based on expectations of future income, and so if you Uh, do better than expected in the first quarter, and you don't change your outlook, it means the expectations for the next three quarters are are lower than they were heading into the day. So the stock went down. But it sounds like maybe Ford is kind of just trying not to overpromise. They they had a good quarter. There's nothing about this quarter that makes other quarters lesser. It's maybe just the recognition of the risks they're facing, uh, rising interest rates, possible recession on the horizon, the risk of a strike. I think that's exactly it. They tend to be a little conservative right now, and they, they've given us what they expect for the rest of the year, whether or not Wall Street's you know excited or not. Like I said, it's kind of a different world. But yeah, it's all in line with what they've said for the past few months, signaling maybe a little more uncertainty ahead. 
Ford reported results by business unit, the new business unit structure, not the geographical one. Uh, so more grouped by powertrain or customer type. What did that tell us about Ford's performance and financial health? Well, it told us kind of what we've known for a long time, that internal combustion engines are driving the bulk of the profits and that they're losing a bunch of money on EVs. What's particularly surprising, at least to me, is kind of the strength of the commercial business, right? They've talked for a long time about how Ford Pro, this commercial unit, is one of their maybe less sexy, right? It's not going to grab all the headlines, but it's still a very strong core part of the company. And we're seeing that now in terms of, of the results. They made $1.4 billion with Ford Pro. They expect to earn a whole bunch from that unit this year, about, I think, double even what they earned last year. And what's interesting is that it's not even just the vehicles, it's the software subscriptions, right? We've talked a lot uh, not even necessarily with Ford specifically, but how subscription services could be a profit driver in the future. And we're currently seeing that at Ford Pro, whether it's you know security type features, whether it's telematics data, customers, fleet buyers are purchasing that for their e-transits, for their F-150 Lightnings, uh, for their gas-powered vehicles, and it's paying off for the company. That's interesting. I mean, of course, it's interesting that, you know, they split the company kind of by powertrain, except for this Ford Pro unit, which sells both. But it's, you know, as companies really struggle to sell the value proposition of subscription services, that these commercial buyers, they can see a value. They can pencil it out and say, okay, if we pay Ford $100 a month or $1,000 a month for this extra data and the analytics they can provide, we can use that to save more than what we're spending. They clearly believe that and they put the professionalism into it that, frankly, most vehicle consumers do not. Right. It's a very specific use case. Maybe subscriptions don't translate for regular customers. Maybe you don't want to pay an extra 20 bucks a month for 10 more horsepower or heated seats or whatever, you know, give an example. But at least on the commercial side for these specific applications, it's working. Yeah, value add that can be measured. So Model E lost $722 million on pace for the expected, the forecasted $3 billion loss this year. Let me put this in context. What is Ford's plan over the medium term to build this from the losses this year into a profitable unit? What are the milestones ahead and what's the view on whether Ford can really execute? Well, they've sort of laid that out and they plan to lay it out even more at their investor day later this month. But essentially, they have a long way to go because where you look at where they're at right now, $700 million loss in the quarter, I think they said it equates to something like a negative 40% margin on the EVs that they sell. They want to get to profit margins of 8% by 2026. And they're pretty confident they can do it. And it's a number of things. It's scaling production of the models they have right now, like Mach-E and Lightning and E-Transit. It's engineering updates on those vehicles as you go that lower costs. They've said they've taken five grand out of the Mach-E since they launched it. It's been a couple of years in terms of engineering efficiencies. And it's, you know, making improvements to these next generation products, offering things like software updates that can generate recurring revenue and essentially offering customers a better vehicle that can do more than what they have now. And they are pretty confident they can reach these milestones. You see all the construction going on in Dearborn at the Lightning plant. 
to expand capacity. Everything they're doing down south in Tennessee and Kentucky, they're insourcing battery work, which should make battery costs come down. They've just added a new battery chemistry, the LFP batteries to sort of help lower costs. So they're taking some actions and they think that's going to start to have an effect to get them from that negative 40 to that plus 8% in the matter of what, three years or so? Yeah, that sounds about right. And you know, we've heard some updates from the Japanese automakers that, okay, they're Toyota and Honda, you know, we're really, we really are working on EVs, but you're not going to see much until 25, 26. So, but yeah, Ford is making the investments, but they take time to build the battery plants to develop the new platforms. And in, lot, in this particular quarter too, it, it was sort of taking a step back before you take a step forward. You saw lightning production was down for five weeks after that fire. Maki production was down for a significant amount of time as they were working to expand their plant in Mexico because they want to double the amount of Maki's they produce now compared to the end of the year. So they're sort of you know, the deep breath before the plunge, I guess you could say is they, they hope to take this leap, but they have to take some short-term pain right now in, in this particular quarter to help get there. Along those lines, uh, there were some questions about Ford's pricing strategy on EVs. I think specifically the, the price cuts to the Mach-E in the wake of Tesla's repeated price cuts on its Model 3 and Model Y, while most of the rest of the market has pretty much stood pad or even raised prices. This one's kind of interesting because Jim Farley, the CEO, has talked a lot about how, you know, there's a price war going on right now. He's warned against Tesla's strategy saying, you know, we've seen this before at Ford back in 1913 when Henry Ford cut the price of the Model T almost nearly in half and he commoditized it and the company suffered significantly because of it. And he's sort of warning against that while at the same time, being one of the only companies to follow Tesla's lead in terms of cutting prices. So, you know, he said that in this particular segment, they compete directly with the Model Y. Tesla can afford to take out all this money because it's supposedly making such high profit margins and it's so far ahead of the competition that Ford needs to do at least something to catch up. So it's cut prices a few times. After raising prices, remember, we're 10 months out from Ford complaining about rising material costs and raising the price of the Mach-E. Now they've cut it two times in four months to try to keep up at least a little bit with what Tesla's doing. But Farley's saying there's a line, right? We can't commoditize this. We need these products to still be passion type vehicles that people want, that people desire. And, you know, we'll go down for now, but we're not going to keep going down as far as maybe Tesla can even go. A lot of uh, explaining, a lot of questions about that balance between pushing growth and, and maintaining profitability, or in the case of Model E, trying to achieve profitability. What was your sense of the the body language, or I guess you know, it's a conference call, not a physical press conference, so sort of the verbal body language, the tone. Jim Farley seemed a little on the defensive, maybe a little annoyed, but he, he held it together and, and made his arguments, it seemed like. I don't know, what was... You've listened to more of his earnings calls than I have. What was what was it like from your perspective? Yeah, I'll be honest. I think he's taken some tougher questions in the past from some of these analysts. I think he's still in the mode of selling everything he's doing, right? Selling the split, selling the, the new way they report earnings and trying to show all these investors that, hey, here's why we did this. Here's why it's going to pay off. 
CFO John Lawler said this particular quarter was a sort of a sneak peek at what's possible. And this is what, what Farley's trying to defend. And he, he's sort of kind of <laughs> because everything we've seen in the recent past with Ford and some of the ways where it's failed and some of the ways where it hasn't really satisfied investor or Wall Street concerns. I think he has to do that, at least for the foreseeable future, right? He still has a lot to prove. The company still has a lot to prove and has a long way to go to get to all these margins that they're promising us. Michael Martinez, Ford Reporter Extraordinaire, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lindsey Van Hulley and David Phillips for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on earnings and sales results and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.